fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based technologies. Welcome to another episode of F Triple G B T. This is the show that takes your favorite fictional science and technology and makes it a reality. We are the Brain Trust. I am the analytical mastermind, Daniel J. Glenn. With me, physics phenom, Dr. Michael Denon. Hey, Dan. Great to be here. As you know, I'm incredibly excited about this episode because this is a fan-recommended topic. I'm going to give a shout-out to Jackie, one of our very longtime fans, for giving me this idea and suggesting it to you and you accepting the brilliant idea. I love that, and I want to keep that secret. Uh, who, what is this brilliant idea, and who is this Jackie? We're going to find out after we talk to our enigmatic engineer, Ben Siebser. Ben, where are you recording from this week? Uh, this week, I'm in a ruined bottling plant in Brazil. Uh, it seems a forklift got thrown across the facility last night, um, but we can't figure out how it happened. So we're going to work on that. Well, that sounds incredibly ominous, and quite frankly, a great place to start what is going to be kind of like our Halloween epilogue. So this is going to come out right after our last Halloween episode, but close enough to Halloween for this to be exciting. And what has Ben talking about? Well, I believe, if I'm correct here, if I'm putting the pieces together here, Ben, we're talking about The Incredible Hulk. But there's been a million shows that have talked about the powers of The Incredible Hulk, where he gets them and all that. What I'd like to do, guys, is I want to tie this into the strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde because I think this is, A, a unique approach, but there is so much overlap between the stories. As a matter of fact, Stanley used this and Frankenstein as his inspiration for the Hulk. I hope you guys are as excited about this as I am. I really am, Dan, and I did not appreciate it uh, until I actually reread the story. Uh, and, you know, I, I had the idea. I thought, oh, look, they're connected, something different. And then, as you just pointed out, we learned Stan Lee was actually inspired by that. And it's just, it blew my mind when I learned all of this. I think it's a lot of fun. And I imagine, Ben, I know horror's not really your thing, but I feel like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde feels very beseepsery. Yeah, it's definitely not, it, it's not the horror, the typical horror. It was a really interesting uh, kind of cerebral story and it's a very different story than what we get today where it's very first person you know the whole half of it's told from the well it's all told from the perspective of uh, Dr. Jekyll's lawyer but only at the end do we finally get the truth through reading the diary of uh, Jekyll. I love that and and I think that Really what makes these two both similar to each other but different from everything else that we've done is people have talked about what can the Hulk do. The matter he gets, the stronger he gets, where does the mask come from? Then and I, you and I cracked the mask question a long time ago. But what I think is quintessential here, or at least what I would argue is quintessential, is what is the source of, of the Hulk's power? Where does that come from? Some people would say gamma radiation, blah, 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 all that. It's his mind, guys, and I really want to tie this into his mind and how that connects to untapped potential, strength potential, and where that all comes from. Uh, what do you think about that as a starting point, Denon? I really like that, and one of the things that we're learning more and more about is how the mind affects the body and the body affects the mind. And we've done a ton of episodes. We've talked about the gut biome and what it does actually to the brain. And we've talked about how the brain affects things. And we've had a lot on the brain. But I think even for us, 
this is a unique and new look into the mind and its connection to the body. And if I may go farther, Dan, this is also a philosophical, ethical, good versus evil, the nature of humanity discussion. I think that that's true. Do they both exist within each individual person? Can you isolate them? Uh, what does that mean? But I'm going to take what you said a step further, and not only the mind, but the actual chemical reactions inside of the brain. And we're in luck here, Denon, because we've got a guy sitting just next to us, uh, well, I guess metaphorically sitting next to us, who, <laughs> is, who knows a lot about the brain and brain chemistry. So Ben, I want to start with you. Where, where do we go with that as, a, as the first building block, square one? Yeah, so our our personalities and consciousness are all kind of all over our our minds, but for the most part it's in our uh, cortex, the you know, outermost layers. That's where our kind of higher conscious functions come from. So but there's a question of what is the transformation that's going on between Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde or between uh, Banner and Hulk. And it seems that there's something of inhibition loss. Uh, and in, in Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, it's, it's clear that it's the, the story is told as if Jekyll's evil side is, is Hyde and his good side is Jekyll. And when he takes this transformation serum, the, they somehow, his body ends up reflecting that other half of his mind that is otherwise suppressed. Now, how that happens in the real world, we can think about uh, all sorts of different drugs and drugs and hallucinogens that kind of change, alter your brain chemistry so that you kind of become a different person while you're on those things. I think that's great. Dennis, I want to say something here before you pop in. Because Go ahead. I think this is right where, where you're going with this. Is What I like about that, what I like about what Ben's saying is we're talking about cutting-edge pharmaceutical technology, right? And in a lot of ways, these two stories kind of mirror what's going on at the times, and I think you kind of articulate that the best. Well, well thank you, Dan. Yeah, definitely there's this issue that fascinated me of well, what causes a person to change or a superpower to emerge? And we see this evolution in time. You've got in the Victorian period as science is emerging and the two big things people learned about were electricity and chemistry. You have Frankenstein doing things with electricity to make his monster. You have Jekyll using chemistry. Then you get into the 50s and 60s and everyone's afraid of radiation. And now it's gamma radiation doing things, whether you're becoming Spider-Man or the Hulk. It was radiation, right? And then you get to the modern era, and now it's genetic engineering because that's you're almost returning to chemistry but with a very different purpose. So that's an exciting thread through this. You know, there, if I may, Dan, there's another element here that fascinated me. I had forgotten, or maybe I never knew, I can't remember, <laughs> that in the Jekyll and Hyde story, yeah. at some point you find out from Jekyll's memoirs that he started transforming without taking his, his serum. And then he had to use the serum to come back. Well, that's exactly the Hulk um, banner situation, right? There's the one-time radiation event, and then the transformation is triggered internally. So you even in both of them have that sort of spontaneous internal transformation. So a lot of cool stuff going on in these two stories. No, I think so. I think that's exactly right. 
And and I like the idea that the the quote unquote magic, the technology that triggers these heretofore unheard of events, uh, train changing into the Hulk or changing into Hyde, really kind of take on you know no pun intended, but a mind of their own. They kind of happen spontaneously, right? And so let's start with Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Let's talk about these guys. So this is you know from a story standpoint, it's a little different because uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, Ben, but Doctor Jekyll as a character, has a lot of these um, kind of these, I don't, they call them evil urges. But, you know, back in the Victorian era, there were lots of things that were considered evil urges that are kind of everyday occurrence nowadays. So, it's, <laughs> so that's a little tricky. But I believe he wanted to take the serum to kind of repress those. Um, and and, and in, in turn, what he does is he creates two separate people, two separate personalities. You know, he all, almost becomes, you know, almost gives himself associative ident- dis- disassociative identity yeah. disorder in a way, right? So isn't that kind of how it works with that? Yeah, I'd almost go even farther. That's not even two identities. It's a true transformation. Like he changes both in mind and in body. Um, it's very clear that when he is in hide form, he is completely indistinguishable or completely distinguishable from Dr. Jekyll. No one would recognize him as, as um, Dr. Jekyll when he's in his hide form. They say his face is different. He shrinks. He becomes more decrepit and awful to look at. Um, his clothes hang off of him because he doesn't change. You know, uh, It's not like, uh, it's not like uh, the Hulk where somehow the clothes are magically stretchy to exactly <laughs> what they need to be. <laughs> It's only the purple With, pants, though. It's only, only the purple the pants. pants. Only yeah, the purple yeah. well, pants. But I have to tell you, Ben, I'm glad you mentioned that because Dan and Ben, I, I read the book, which I hadn't, as I said, read in a long time. And I was absolutely fascinated by the fact that the number of times it describes Mr. Hyde of having the clothes fitting him so loosely because he shrunk. And all I could think of was Banner after being the Hulk, right? <laughs> like. He stretches the clothes out as the Hulk magically, just the pants. And when he shrinks back down, it's big. And there's just such an inverse thing going on here that I really wonder if it's an 1800s versus a 20th, 21st century thing where the evil character Hyde is smaller and craven. And often the characters say they couldn't put their finger on it, but they felt he was deformed. But they couldn't describe how. Whereas the Hulk is very obviously bigger and and all of the other features that modern superheroes we equate with the kind of uncontrollable perhaps evil though the Hulk's a good guy kind of behavior. Yeah, it was especially true even with Hyde that they couldn't even describe him at all. Not even that he, they would say he's deformed but they couldn't say how they they couldn't even describe him just that he was you know something you didn't want to be around. And so it's interesting that they, they're making this statement that evil is like unseeable. It's unknowable what, this, what is wrong with, with you to have these urges, but you just know it kind of when you see it. Right. Or when you feel it. I think in some ways it's almost like people have a sense of what evil is in the same way that dogs or animals are kind of give. We kind of attribute this, this sense to them that they know evil or they know bad people just by um, the, you know, a sixth sense is the wrong word, but it's the ability to detect the sort of things that human beings couldn't normally detect with our senses. I think that's kind of what you're getting at, right, Ben? Yeah. And it was also the other interesting thing to me is the talk of how as you know, the Hyde personality kind of takes over, he becomes more formed and, and not so much bigger, but at least not, at least not weak. He becomes stronger and more um, powerful and a more full-fledged character as, as he descends into this darkness. 
What I think is kind of interesting here is in some ways, when you look at Banner and the Hulk, when Banner, I'm going to go with the traditional sense here. When Banner becomes the Hulk, he kind of loses uh, the intelligence of Banner, right? Like he he couldn't go and and do uh, not Gray Hulk, not all the other crazy Hulks, the original Hulk that he turns into. He can't really perform those scientific experiments. But Hyde, on the other hand, has he actually drinks a potion and can create the potion to turn him back into Jekyll, uh, which both represents a conscious decision, but also the mental ability, the acuity to be able to to take that the the formula and recreate it to turn him back, which I think is interesting. Oh, Dan, I, I was very intrigued by that because you're right. That it was an important difference is Hyde and Jekyll are both intelligent and, and totally in control of who they are. It's just one is evil and one is not, right? And the one really has no conscious, um, um, Mr. Hyde. And it's and there's a little bit also, I mean, there's when you're reading Jekyll's letter, um, he does have a sense that there's some memory between them, but it's not perfect. I, I was, I have to admit, even on reading it, I was wasn't a hundred percent clear what he actually um, he remembered. He did imply in his letter, and I caught this that Hyde doesn't really remember much about him, mm. um, and really it resents being controlled in the end, um, and that's why he, Hyde starts destroying his stuff and doing negative things. So there there was a real resentment in the end on Hyde's part. Yeah. But it's also true that Hyde can impersonate Jekyll, at least in letter form. They both can do each other's handwriting. And I loved the quaintness of, you know, uh, authentication being done by handwriting in these letters. (laughs) Like, that's how they knew it was on the up and up, these crazy requests that uh, Hyde would make. Well, you know, you know, you know what I love about that. So, first of all, I actually find that to be almost unbelievable because everyone's handwriting is different, and so I would think that you know, obviously, you're talking about the forensics at the time is what made that why that worked into the story. But I would think that they would have different handwriting. And I want to tell you guys something kind of interesting. And this is a small tangent. I'll make it very short. There's this great documentary called The Imposter. I recommend that you guys see it. But it's it, it's the story of of a, a kid goes missing. And then, then uh, I think three years later, he's found in Spain, right? And and you, you learn this right off the bat that the person is impersonating the kid who went missing, right? But one of the key things is a, a private investigator is is trying to put the pieces together and prove that this is in fact an imposter. And what he leads to is the shape of the person's ears. Apparently, Scotland Yard uses that as almost like a fingerprint, better than fingerprint. I don't know if that's true, but what I love about it is it's extremely unique. And just like in Jekyll and Hyde, it's people trying to find the very things that make you unique and how to determine who is who and what makes someone their own individual person and personality. Dan, I I love that story. And I'm going to, I hate to do this, I'm going to do another short tangent because you used the word forensics, which reminded me of something that should probably be an error in additions, but I got to say it now. When when they go in, the butler and the main character, the lawyer friend, and find the dead body, first of all, they ransack the room completely, violating all modern police protocols, (laughs) um, (laughs) decide to take the letters home and read them. And the one guy says, you know, depending what I read in the letters, we'll let the police know around midnight that he's dead. So they (laughs) lock the room, having destroyed the crime scene, and go home. And as a major, like, CSI and CIS type person who loves watching these shows, I was just appalled at the crime scene um, integrity here in (laughs) in this book. 
Well, I will say, I think that was cutting edge forensics at the time, um, because I, I did a show, Fascinating Nouns, thank you for the lead away for my little shameless plug here, I did an episode on Fascinating Nouns on H.H. Holmes, and tying him to Jack the Ripper, and at the time, when the Jack the Ripper murders happened, people would go around, gather around, and they would collect and take items from the murder scene and as a matter of fact one of the the on this this movie called American on this TV show called American Ripper one of the guys finds a shawl that was taken many years ago that has blood on it that they try to use to prove it's Jack the Ripper um so, so it's just the yeah, forensics back then was just absolutely ridiculous but I, I gotta tell you guys I've got the fix I think I figured out Dr. Jekyll do you guys want to take a crack at it first or you want to let me take first swing well I, I, it's up to you, Dan. I'm happy to take a crack so that we're not just copying you if you want. Yeah, let me go first because I'm afraid you guys will probably do the same thing and I want to sound like I'm the one who came up with it first. Okay, uh, I got a three-step process here, guys, okay? We got the gut-brain connection, the vagus nerve. It is a it is the nerve that basically connects your, your intestinal linings to your brain. A large supply of your serotonin, which is a neurotransmitter that we find in the brain, this is actually found in your gut. It's made by your gut bacteria, and it is then transferred to your brain. Okay, that's part one of this. We've talked about in the Venom Symbiote episode how your microbiome affects your personality. But there are people, especially a company called Holobiome, which is, they've coined the term your psychobiome, which is saying that the different bacteria in your gut produce certain things uh, and based on your mood or whatever, they can affect your mood and are working on psychotropic drugs, which they call psychobiotics, which is using the different gut bacteria and then recreating that flora in your from someone else's gut into your gut. For example, tryptophan, we all know tryptophan from Turkey, uh, Thanksgiving, everyone knows that. It can be broken down into serotonin or a neuron-damaging chemical called kyurinine. Uh, I'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly, but people with depression convert it separately into that. Oxford professors have done a study that shows that they have linked certain personality traits to the composition of their gut bacteria, and a more varied diet and better social interactions will actually improve your gut bacteria. Finally, the third piece of this, guys, I'm getting to it, coming to a conclusion here. There are studies that are showing that uh, to treat alcohol addiction and depression, where if you find someone who is healthy or has the mind uh, chemistry that you want, you can actually take a piece of their, fec you can do fecal transplant or AKA a poop milkshake. You can take that, clear out your gut bacteria, put their gut bacteria in and change your mind, personality and outlook towards the world. A little bit of a stretch, but I think those three pieces are exactly what is in Dr. Hyde's little serum. It is in fact a poop milkshake uh, from some evil person, probably Jack the Ripper or H.H. Holmes is my guess. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Well, Dan, first of all, it connects well to the story because he finally realizes at the end there must have been an impurity in the chemicals he was using that caused his his serum to go bad and end up with the evil as opposed to suppressing the evil and was the reason he couldn't reproduce it. So given what we've talked about in terms of the forensics and how clean they kept those, you can only imagine how clean the chemistry labs were. <laughs> right, um, yeah. And so the impurities coming in make perfect sense. It also, you know, I can't argue with anything in that, Dan. I can only support it. And it really says, I predict... Someone, uh, you're going to have to like sue for copyright or plagiarism in the future because we've done, um, you know, chemistry and electricity in the 1800s. We then switched to gamma ray to make superheroes. We've then switched to sort of genetic manipulation. Now that the world is learning about the gut biome and our show has made it incredibly common knowledge 
the power of the gut biome. You know the next generation of comic book superheroes are all going to get their powers from their gut biome. Um, so we have to figure out how to get the royalties to our show for making this clear. If there's any superhero group called the Brain Trust, that's it. Uh, it it's gimmick infringement. That's, I'm going right to the lawyers on that. Um, but I think we figured out how. I want to move on to the Hulk if we can. Are you guys cool with that? I'm ready for it. Okay. So now the Hulk is a little different. So I, I think the Hulk fundamentally is different because the gamma radiation triggered something in him. And, and I think that it is stress chemicals, including epinephrine, aka adrenaline, and noradrenaline, and their connection to the amygdala taking over. I think there's a little bit of a connection here, but I want to go to Ben. Uh, you know, I've mentioned, I probably mispronounced a lot of stuff here in the brain. What did I get right and wrong there? <laughs> uh, 50 50? Come on. Yeah, 25 75? Yeah, it's uh, the, the, the heart's there. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's good. That's all I'm asking. Uh, what, what's interesting about the, the Hulk, and I think th they kind of get into this a little bit in the movie where he's not, it's not just the gamma radiation in the most modern movie. He also has some of that super soldier serum going on too. And there's an interesting thing where the gamma rays have kind of combined with the super soldier serum and made this kind of jumbo cocktail of power. And it's not just one or the other. And I think what this gets, they talk about how the, the anger, like the, the powering up of the super soldier serum then kind of triggers the gamma radiation to be released from the cells. And then that energy, that radiation is now in your body and powering, you know, powering the Hulk. So they at least kind of make an attempt <laughs> to like explain where the energy is coming from and that it's you know, being controlled and contained by the super soldier serum um, in your cells. Well, you know, the, the one thing that's really interesting in this, Dan, you, you mentioned it. Um, the reason we need something different for Hulk versus Hyde, as, as Ben was alluding to here, is the strength, right? That was not really a feature of Hyde. There was a physical transformation, but it was tied to an outward representation of his evilness. The Hulk truly gets, you know, for lack of a better word, superpowers. And I know we're not going into those because we solve them in other places. But it, from a, a transformation and creation point of view, it does mean you need a different combination of chemicals. Um, I unfortunately, I, as much as I love so much about superheroes, I really have to say the gamma radiation is the part about the Hulk that bothers me the most for many reasons. Um, not the least of which there, there's no reason for gamma radiation really to, quote, stay around. Gamma radiation is photons. Um, they they interact or pass through, and, and then they're gone. Now, I like Ben. Ben worked hard, and I'll give, I'll give them some credit. Ben tried, and I think it was the best you can do is say, well, somehow the super soldier serum with the Hulk is recreating the gamma events. Um, since it's a nuclear reaction, ultimately, of some sort to make that amount of gamma radiation, hard to imagine. But there are things that decay and produce gamma radiation in small quantities. And maybe that's all the Hulk needs after his first treatment. So I got to give Ben that credit as much as the gamma ray is the part that always just... Well, well they do say he's gamma poisoned. So maybe, maybe gamma poison in this case means maybe he's filled with radioactive metal 
maybe you know maybe maybe all the iron in his blood has been irradiated and that's you know it decays and that's where it's coming from i think that's interesting uh you know ben only gave me 2575 so i don't want to give him too much in this episode but i like what he said <laughs> a lot because this just made me think of something so when i i studied marine biology for a little bit and one of the craziest chemical equations i had ever seen was the chemical equation for equilibrium in a saltwater environment in the ocean, let's say, and 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 <laughs> all the chemicals that are in the ocean. So when you you know you load one chemical in, in order for the system to reach equilibrium, it changes into another chemical, another chemical. You know, I think it was like thirteen chemicals long with the arrows going both ways. So what I think is going on here, what I had to, if I had to guess, the chemicals in the in the, in the super soldier serum and the and the gamma radiation, if it's you know irradiated iron or whatever, that's all sitting in his blood, and he is Bruce Banner, and that is equilibrium for him there, right? I think these anger and the stress hormones, the epidephrine, the adrenaline, when that kicks up, when his pulse rate goes up, you know, we could even see in the movie, it's not just anger necessarily. Um, you know, he's he's getting into a very amorous situation and his pulse quickens and he's afraid of turning into the Hulk. Uh, worst place to turn into the Hulk, by the way. Um, uh, and and I, I think that when that happens, when those chemicals are then introduced into the bloodstream, introduced into the brain chemistry, it throws off this new equilibrium formula inside of his body, which then produces whatever it takes to make him into the Hulk. What do you think about that? Then I'm going to go to you first as our chemistry sort of bio adjacent guy. Yeah, well, I, hey, I did a post. I did a postdoc in the chemistry department. Oh, okay, so never counts. mind. So you, you are our, to go to our chemistry guy, Doctor Dan. I have some some credits there, but no, I I like. I mean, you got to do something like that, and I think it's it really. You had mentioned it earlier again, where it's about the brain and the body, right? Whatever it is, and it is mostly anger. I know in this movie, I like the fact that he talks a lot about the pulse. But he does constantly say, don't make me angry, except when he can't speak Portuguese well. Right. But, you know, it is, you know, we, as you alluded to earlier, we generate all sorts of different chemicals under different stress responses. And those chemicals, I love the idea that they interact with whatever chemistry the gamma radiation and the super soldier serum created in the first place. Um, and so when you put the two together, that gives you a way to change states. And I like your analogy. I'm, 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 I'm all down with the change of equilibrium from one to another and back and forth. Okay. No, I appreciate that. So that's going to lead me to my second part. Um, so when I was in college, I was a freshman in, in college, and that is, I, w I took, a, I, I, I'm not kidding you here, it's a college-level course called Mind and Body States, right? Now, they didn't pass out weed brownies or anything. We didn't sit around singing Kumbaya, but we did talk about different states, some psychedelic, the dream state, uh, you know, sometimes just daydreaming. So your mind and your body are connected. You mentioned this at the top of the show, Denon. And what I think is important, the quintessential key to the Hulk and his transformation is that connection. We see in the movie that he meditates, you know, he uses transcendental meditation. Um, you know, th that the movie, The Incredible Hulk, is taken from this great comic book series called The Return of the Monster by Bruce Jones, my favorite run of the Hulk. And he has a metrodome, which we see in the first in the first scene, which is, you know, for those of you who aren't into music, it is a, you know, it's a basically something that keeps pace. So it just goes click, 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 click. And he uses that as a focus to kind of keep his body at equilibrium. But I think this connection is extremely important. What do you think, yeah, I'd say so. The the whole idea of that e equilibrium and keeping calm. Uh, what's also interesting, though, is as he goes on, he 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 seems to embrace the Hulk side of himself more, which I like. I think is a kind of interesting parallel to Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, where 
um, high as as the story goes on, the Hyde side kind of takes over, and Jekyll embraces his alternate side, just like uh, Banner as the time goes on embraces the Hulk rather than being afraid of it. No, I think that that's true, and and I think you know because there's a there's a big a, a big line in the Avengers movie where Banner shows up that you know everything's going crazy in New York City. Uh, you got the invasion going on. The Avengers are getting beat down. Banner shows up as Bruce Banner, and he's going to change. And so Captain America says, "Hey, I think it's time to get angry." And Bruce Banner says, "That's my secret. I'm always angry." And instantaneously changes into the Hulk. That's important. I want to mention a couple things here because I think I'm going to tie up Hulk really quickly. Visualization is an important tool that a lot of of athletes use. Michael Phelps had a trainer that 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 used visualization incredibly well. So basically, it's it's rehearsing something over and over in your head, which primes your muscles for that action. So he always visualized himself winning a race. I think the fact that Bruce is mad all the time, he's probably visualizing violence, even when he's Bruce, which makes him primed to be nothing but the Hulk. Navy SEALs have this technique to get technique to get people ready for survival situations, which is called a trigger. So this is something that's used on a good side. You know, it's your your child being born, seeing your family together, seeing all of your men get back. It's supposed to be a good thought that gets you through stressful situations. Well, Bruce Banner, especially in a comic book, was abused and he he had bullies, so maybe his trigger is negative instead of positive, which creates that overload of emotions, which kind of does the yin to the yang of the positive effect. And finally, this is a crazy study. I'm going to put this up on the website. There was a study in 2004 that that had two groups of people mentally contract, not actually contract, mentally contract either their little finger or their elbow. After 12 weeks of mental stimulation, not physical stimulation, uh, they realized that there's quote unquote simulated stimulated say that three times fast, areas were 13 to 35% stronger. What does that mean? If you think about flexing a muscle, you actually will grow the muscle there, which doesn't make any sense. And I think that this strange combination of, of Hulk's strength comes from his mind, the gamma radiation, and maintaining that equilibrium. Uh, I think that there's a lot there from this mental visualization, transcendental meditation thought uh, place. Uh, any last thoughts on that, Denny? Because I feel like I nailed that, unless you want to pull the rug up from underneath me and I will give you that opportunity right now. No, I, I, I'm with you, Dan. I think, you know, we're entering an age of medicine where we're finally able to measure the brain and study it. And even though Ben can't talk about his job, that's proof that we can do more. He has a job. <laughs> and so <laughs> as, as we think about these things, it's really going to be incredible down the road what we learn, what's connected to what. And, and how these connections really work. My daughter shared with me the other day that she finally had learned about how the brain, you know, the whole sleep paralysis thing. You know, she was listening to a podcast and learned about how the brain actually minimizes your nerves and those connections so you don't spasm yourself out of bed while you're sleeping. And sometimes it just forgets to turn it back on. So you wake up and you have paralysis for a little bit before the brain goes, oh, wait, we're awake. Okay, let's turn the muscles back on. So why not turn them on a little bit bigger, right? So I, I'm, I'm really excited to see where all of this goes. I, I know I completely agree. Uh, and because, uh, Ben, do you have anything you want to say? You want to pull the rug out from underneath me, or are you going to give me two wins in this episode? No, I think you nailed it, Dan. All right, I appreciate that. All right, let's go to our errors, dishes, and omissions section uh, before Ben takes that back. Things we want to talk about, but we're not going to. Ben, I'm going to go to you first. Is there anything from the Hulk or Dr. Jekyll that we didn't get to? 
Yeah, so one thing I, I really liked about uh, the, the first, or I guess the second Hulk movie, the first MCU Hulk movie, is when they finally meet up with Dr. Blue in the, uh, in the New York lab, he's replicated all this blood, which kind of ties back into, um, which will tie into our kind of into our Project Power episode with Henrietta Lacks, but also to our uh, Blade episode where he's copying all this blood. It's an interesting thing to be able to copy blood because blood is a differentiated cell. You shouldn't just be able to replicate it. Um, but what that tells us is that the Hulk's blood is probably has some kind of aggressive, maybe cancer or something going on because his red blood cells are able to replicate uh, without the need of bone marrow. I think those are amazing. I completely agree. And he did have cabinets of blood that Mr. Blue did, which is pretty crazy. Denny, did you have anything for from Hulk or Jekyll and Hyde? I have to share one from each. Of course, Dan, you alluded to it. I want everyone to go back, check out our episode where we prove that the Hulk is actually a foam creature. Um, I think we just leave it at that as a spoiler. You can give the link to people if you wish or, or not. Um, and then the, the actual Jekyll Hyde thing is you know a story is great when they make a musical out of it and Hasselhoff stars in the musical. So flashbacks to Knight Rider. You just got, you got to go check it out. I agree. Look, I'm, of course I'm going to post it. I wouldn't give up any opportunity for shameless self-promotion. That is one of our first collaborations, Denon. I'm going to put that up on the website. Um, Here's a couple things, a couple things really quickly. Captain America can make this transformation without all the mental stuff. So they kind of nailed something there with the, although not as powerful, but there might be something there with the secret serum. Uh, there's a Bugs Bunny, Jekyll and Hyde, uh, called, um, called Hyde and Hair. And there's also two other Looney Tunes episodes. So Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, there's a lot of it going on in the Looney Tunes world. And also, there's a similar dynamic to a werewolf to continue the Halloween thing, which we didn't talk about. And finally, Denon, last thing, you talked about sleep paralysis. Anyone listening, including your daughter, if you want to get scared out of your minds, watch the documentary called, it's called The Nightmare, which is about sleep paralysis. I have not been genuinely afraid since I was probably 12 years old. Not because I'm, I'm too tough. I just, some things are difficult to really scare me. That movie, I don't think I slept for three or four days afterwards. It was... Uh, really, I'm not kidding. It was really scary. Uh, it, it was it was terrifying stuff. So if we've forgotten anything, you can get in touch with the show. It's easy to get a hold of. We are on Twitter at FGGBTPod. We're on Facebook at FGGBT. But you can get in touch with us individually. Denon, where can people get in touch with you? People can find me at Denon Michael. Just flip my name at either Instagram or Twitter. Facebook, it's at Prof Den and Michael. And as people should have noticed, these fan-recommended episodes are awesome, Dan. So I hope people give us more things to solve and to look at. I think that's a great point, and this is the best place to do it on social media. And, and we always share this stuff. We'd like to comment and talk about it in a, in a running conversation on all those places. And Ben is easy to get a hold of. I know he's on all over social media. Ben, where can people find you? Yes, you can find me on all the major social media networks at bseepser. How do you spell that? B-S-I-E-P-S-E-R. And I can be found on Twitter at Daniel J. Glenn, on Instagram at the Daniel J. Glenn, and on Facebook at Analytical Mastermind. You know, I think we're able to outline both the source of Hulk and Hyde's powers, even, th even though their nuances of their transformation seem a little opaque, but I think we got both of them. But if you're looking for superpowers, you don't want to make a poop milkshake on your own. Seek the guidance of a licensed medical professional if you're looking to get superpowers. And if you do happen to make it work and you find yourself with superhuman abilities, remember to use them wisely. You want to be a superhero, not a supervillain. Until next time, thank you for listening. 
Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies is a Glencoe production and is produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and Paul Springers with music and sound design written and performed by Paul Springers. Now, if you like this show, you're going to want to subscribe. Well, how do you do that? The good news is we're on all the major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, and now Spotify. If you're not already on those platforms, don't worry. We've made it very easy for you. Go to our website, fgbt.com. That's fgbt.com, where you will find links to everything you're looking for. All the subscribe buttons at the bottom of the page. Links to our social media are right there. And if you go to the top of the page, you'll see a little button that says episodes click on that and go to your favorite episode there you can find the show in its entirety you can find the links that we talked about the in real life examples that we brought to you including videos and of course we've got each episode has its own youtube video you can watch it there if you prefer and if you like this show you're gonna like everything that i do go to danieljglenn.com to find out more thank you for listening